This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hi everyone and thanks for listening. This is one of a handful of Four Star Spurs' bonus episodes called Stateside Spurs Series and I'm your host Catherine. During this series I'll chat with Spurs fans based in the United States about Tottenham Hotspur Football Club so I certainly hope you join us for a little chat with Stateside Spurs fans. Before we start chatting, let's see who's joining me this week in the conversation. With me this episode is Kevin from Chicago, or rather I should say one of the many Kevins from Chicago, and we'll get to know all about him this episode. So welcome, Kevin, and thanks for joining. Hi, Catherine. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's get this kicked off and started. So tell me about your history with the sport of football in general. Yeah, so I think mine is probably... I think fairly typical for for probably Americans our age and that you know I obviously grew up playing it as a little kid um, but then I think you know by the time I was in second or third grade I had decided that baseball and basketball were cool to play but it wasn't as much into the soccer um, and around that time I was becoming a huge sports fan of like major American sports but again at the time it was very much like soccer was like just not really a thing so like, yeah you know it's soccer whatever lame it's boring or whatever um i did have some friends at the time uh who were into it um you know like a friend who you know like he he wore a a brazil ronaldo jersey to school Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so that was kind of cool and i was always at least sort of vaguely curious about that um but i never really kind of really got into it um uh until really about the 2006 world cup was when i started actually like first time actually like sat down and watched soccer properly okay so kind of late teens, early twenties area of growing up of your youth? Uh, yeah, I would have been probably, yeah, like 16, 17, somewhere in that, in okay. that range, which so, I think is probably a pretty typical time yeah. period I think, for people to get into soccer these days. Well, and, and what drew you in though, from kind of stopping it when you're eight ish sure. <laughs> to then picking up it again, again in 2006? Um, I think a lot of it was, uh, something about these sort of, um, uh, the kind of international appeal of it was big. I've also been ever since I was a kid, like super into English culture. So that was kind of just part of it that sort of interested me, you know, just to be like super um, uh, sort of stereotypical. Like I remember like reading the fourth Harry Potter book and there was a Quidditch world cup and it's like this big, like sort of festival atmosphere. And I'm just like, Oh, that's kind of cool. And I'm like, but you know, like this is obviously sort of based around kind of like, you know, football world cups. And so I remember I just sat down and watched the 2006 World Cup. I just remember the first game I ever watched. I just happened to watch, uh, it was England versus Sweden. Um, uh, I believe it was a 2-2 final score. It might have been 1-1. I remember that uh, Joe Cole scored an amazing goal from outside the box. And I kind of watched a little bit of that tournament here or there. Um, I remember my family and I were on vacation. And we literally arrived at our, like, at our uh, 
like cabin that we were staying in and I turned on the TV for the final, like immediately after Zidane had headbutted uh, oh, Gattuso or whoever it was. No, not Gattuso. Just oh your- no, I'm outing myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, immediately after the Zidane headbutt. So, so I saw that. So I saw bits and pieces of that tournament and that kind of started the inkling for me was around that. Okay. So then when you're watching the world cup, did you see any Spurs players or what drew you into Tottenham specifically? Um, at the time, I didn't see any Spurs players necessarily, but uh, it was probably about a year or so after that. Um, I, I was starting to kind of think more about soccer again. And um, this is, again, probably people around that time are pretty common refrain. There was a, an article that Bill Simmons of ESPN wrote in about 2006, 2007, where it was like choosing my EPL team. And that was actually, I think, my first real exposure to Bill Simmons. But he actually like went through and I think he like, got ideas from like um like submissions for people about which team he should support and kind of went through and talked about it and he wound up going with spurs in that one and the one thing i did remember from that then was that uh um uh uh, was that paul robinson was the goalkeeper at the time for england i remembered him i remembered his bald head from the 2006 world cup i was like oh yeah they got the goalkeeper cool maybe i'll start following them so that's kind of where it came from i was sort of like i guess i'm a spurs supporter now so then tell me a little bit more about your foray into the Spurs fandom then from that moment? So I think I kind of decided on them kind of before the 2007, 2008 season. Um, But, you know, this is a whole different world um, in terms of internet and TV. Um, Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough that my family did have Fox soccer channel, but not all that many matches were on, especially back then Spurs weren't on live a lot um we did not have the internet well we had the internet but we would not have streaming like we had terrible dsl internet that could not stream stuff um and so like i i remember being like oh yeah i'm gonna totally watch this sport but it was like i was still in high school i was super busy with stuff i remember sitting down and watching a spurs man united game i think it was at old trafford like that fall but it might have been actually the only match i sat down and watched that season it was the next season when uh i went off to college and all of a sudden i had the internet that I could actually stream stuff on where I started entering into the era of dodgy streams. That was the season where I first started trying to make sure to watch week in and week out. Um, so that was 2008, 2009, which started with the two points from eight games uh, with Wanda Ramos getting sacked. It was, it was pretty terrible, but you know, I think they, they got me that season. And, and pretty much from then on, I was trying to watch week in and week out. That was really kind of the, my college years were like my kind of core, like total kind of like mania when it came to Spurs to start out with for sure. And that probably helps because when you're in your college or university years, you're having such a, an erratic sleep schedule that it doesn't matter if you're waking up at 5 a.m. or if oh, you're yeah. staying up until 2 a.m. watching a game or highlights. Yeah. And I also, yeah, I mean, my, my roommate didn't always mind, you know, didn't always love when I was waking up at, you know, 6.30 a.m. And, and cheering for goals and whatnot. But I did also make sure that as much as possible, I would leave the uh, the hours of 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. clear in my class schedule so that I could catch the midweek games, you know, the UEFA Cup games as they were back then. So I made sure. So then um, what's your favorite game from when you kind of started really watching in the 08-09 season and beyond till now? Sure. So I'm kind of talking about that sort of era. Um, I think a lot of the stuff in the 2009-2010 season was was huge, um, uh, you know. Like it actually kind of went from, you know, there's the nine-one win over Wigan that was incredible. 
Um, you know, there were other great wins there. There was actually th this insane week in like April of 2010, where we went from uh, losing the FA Cup semifinal to Portsmouth, which was like maybe my lowest point still to this day as a Spurs supporter. Something about, like I remember that like my friends and the girl I was dating at the time was just like mad at me for how like upset I was the rest of that day. And we went from there to to, to beating Chelsea and Arsenal in the same week. And then we wound up beating City on the second last day, day of the season. That was pretty incredible. If I had to like kind of uh, choose one game that would be that I was actually lucky enough that in the 2010 to 2011 season, fall of 2010, I was studying in England. And again, I've always been into English culture and I always kind of had an inkling that like, oh, it'd be cool to, to live and study in England at one point. But at one point during that 09-10 season, I was like, I was like sitting down talking to my parents, like, hey, you go study in England. That'd be cool. And I was like, but I could watch Spurs. I could watch a lot of Spurs. And that kind of like was what it was all about for me. So then the fact that we went through the 09-10 season, we finished in the top four, meant that not only were we going to play in the Champions League, but that I was going to be able to be there. Um, which was pretty incredible. And uh, so my number one favorite game that I can remember would be a game that I was at, which was the 3-1 victory over Inter Milan at White Hart Lane on November 2nd of 2010. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was one of one of the greatest days of my life. It was the day after I turned 20 or 21, as I recall, the day after I turned 21. Um, the one thing that I remember from that game that I feel like I didn't hear people talking about much as kind of like this visceral memory, but I started hearing more recently after Gareth Bale came back mm -hmm. was that um, I was sitting on the, in the North stand, which was the family stand at the time. And it was kind of a little bit infamous for having not as great of an atmosphere as the South stand or as the shelf side. Um, but that was all I could get for that game. And so I was more than happy for that. And I figured anywhere I could sit for that game would be great. And during that second half, when Bale has the two assists, it meant that he was running directly towards me. And I can just remember, you know, the chance of taxi for my kind, et cetera. And I can just remember the sound of a Gareth Bale run is that everybody in the stand would stand up. You could hear the seats flying up. You hear this whoosh. And that is the sound of that night for me is this whoosh of, 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 the, of all the seatbacks flying up as everybody was getting ready for Gareth Bale to come bombing down the way. So that's the number one for sure. So would you think that that would be also your favorite memory of just hearing that sound and noise? Or is it is your favorite memory something else besides your favorite game? So if I had to separate those two things, I would say my favorite memory would be being at the Atlantic for the second leg of the Champions League semifinal in 2019. Um, it was kind of just this crazy thing. I had I had found a way to take off work for both legs. Um, uh, and, and, and one of my best friends who's been watching Spurs with me since 2008, my friend Ryan, um, was, was at the Atlantic with me for the first leg, but he had told me that he couldn't make it for the second leg. And so that was kind of disappointing, but, you know, I got there, I drove right from work. I was still all dressed up and everything. And out of nowhere, I'm, I'm sitting and talking to some other people and I turn around and there's Ryan. He decided like a day or two before, he's like, you know what? I am going to go and I'm going to surprise him. Uh, so being there for that game with how packed it was, I just, I still can't believe that day happened. Um, and the fact that I was there with Ryan and, and Tommy, who is like the second Spurs fan I ever met, that the three of us were there together. Um, that was not, I, again, I still can't, I, I'll never forget that day. And honestly, I mean, the run up to the final as well at the Atlantic, despite the match itself, the hours of lead up to that were similarly just sort of incredible. Like I, yeah, again, can't believe those things happened, um, which it <laughs> seems like the club are determined to make sure that we continue to not believe that those things happen, but that's let's just, something else. Let's just skirt past that issue yeah. <laughs> for now. <laughs> um, 
from that era that I loved probably <laughs> uh, beyond maybe his, his pure footballing ability. He had footballing abilities, but uh, Nico Cranshaw is uh, is maybe like my favorite like go to. Um, not obscure, but kind of a, a sort of hipster pick. Anybody can say Bale or Kane um, or Modric, maybe, but um, but Nico Cranshaw was uh, I, for some, he's my favorite player for whatever reason. Um, you know, Modric had been my favorite player at the time, and in 2009-2010, we started out um, amazingly. We won our first four matches, which at the time was like spur. I think it was like our best start to a season in a long time we had not won four games to, to start the season a long time but Modric got injured in that fourth game uh, he broke his leg and so we brought in Nico Kranchar his Croatian his Croatian compatriot wow that's quite the quite the tongue twister uh, to replace him I mean I can't you know I'd heard the name I was vaguely familiar with him and like he was incredible he scored uh, a goal against Man City in I think like December of 2009 um, he scored two that day but the second one he scored is still maybe my favorite goal ever he like dribbled it almost from the corner flag and nutmegged two guys and tucked it into the near corner. And it topped off. I think it was like a two nil or three nil win over city. And it was, uh, it, that was pretty incredible. He scored in the, the goal against Wigan as well. It might've been the last goal against Wigan in the nine one. Um, unfortunately, I don't think I ever actually saw him play. I don't think he came on at all. Um, in any of the games was at the next year. Um, but, uh, I think at one point he was playing for the New York Cosmos and I was like vaguely considering driving to Indiana to see him play in the <laughs> NASL a few years ago. That never happened. But um, Nico Cranchar is, especially of that era, that's that's the guy who I would go to. Driving a few hours to Indiana to see a second division <laughs> player from Croatia would be very much a dedication yep. from your part. So. Yep. I, failed, I would have I applauded you, test. but I kind of <laughs> applaud you actually for even having that thought. But um, so Cranchar, Modric, who's your current though favorite Spurs player? So Forgetting about tricky, that. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. I could talk about that kind of 08 to 12 team forever. Uh, so the tricky thing is that my two favorite players of this era, of kind of the Pochettino era, both just left. It's Eriksen and Vertonghen were probably my two favorites. Um, of the ones left, it's probably Youngman's son. Um, uh, and I don't think I really need to explain why. Um, just he just probably scores the best goals. I think that if you were to look at the best Spurs goals over the last six years, or whatever it is, I think most of them are probably Sun goals. Um, I, I think that's fair to say. I mean, I guess I guess maybe uh, you know in terms of the ratio to great goals to the goals they've scored, it might be somebody like Lamella. But I think Sun, in terms of both the volume and just the quality of those goals. Um, just you know the joy he has for the game and all that stuff. I think it's it's hard to look past Youngman's son. I think. Okay, and you mentioned Son, Eriksson, Vertonghen, Kranchar, uh, Modric. Would you say you, if you were a player, would you emulate your playing style with one of them, or would you be a hard-hitting defensive midfielder? Would you be a striker? Who do you think that you would play like if you actually were a? Mm-hmm top international <laughs> um well hopefully i'd be a lot better than i have been in real life uh here's a, a sidebar story is that uh when i was studying in england in 2010 uh, i i went one day to the I, you know i study history i went to the history society football training one day and uh, i was left-footed and um uh, and and not good so they put me at left back 
and I believe the team that I played for lost eight nil, and I was directly res- responsible for at least half of those goals. I think so. Um, not left back, I think is probably the answer. I think I would like to think that I could play like Cranshaw, and that I wouldn't need to run too much and just kind of be sort of languid <laughs> and, and spraying passes everywhere. Uh, I think in a perfect world, I'd be like somewhere between Nico Cranshaw and Tom Huddleston in the middle of the pitch. Um, uh, but, you know, playing like Youngman's son sounds pretty good to me. I think any of us would want that sort of talent and skill. So yep. really any of the talent and skill that players have had in the past. Kind of pivoting a little bit of my questions. Being an American Spurs supporter, what is your favorite memory about being, especially in Chicago, within the supporters group? Yeah. So, you know, in addition to the, you know, the two Champions League ones that I mentioned, I think that, um, first of all, I really credit Chicago Spurs for kind of really helping me kind of go full bore back into the sport. So if those kind of my, my college years were kind of like my peak Spurs fandom, you know, after that, I graduated college. I was starting a new job. I was really busy. I was getting into really following pro tennis a lot as well. So while I was still following Spurs, I wasn't necessarily following the news day to day. And I wasn't necessarily watching as many matches as I used to. Um, and so I think when I went to, when I went to the Atlantic, um, which was new year's day of 2015, uh, they were playing, Chelsea, Chelsea. And they up winning five <laughs> to three. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't know anybody there. I knew Tommy and I think was there. I've uh, a couple people were super nice and, and talked to me. I think you were one of them, Catherine. I don't know if you remember that, but my wife and I walked into this, walked into the Atlantic. It was, you know, I'd heard about it for years. I'd wanted to go see, go to Chicago Spurs back in like 2009. It just never wound up happening. Um, but I was like, you know, we're going into the city anyway. And like, you know, Spurs are playing Chelsea on New Year's Day. Heck yeah, let's do it. And so being around all those people watching Spurs again was, was pretty special. And so since then, I, I've tried to go as often as I can. Um, I live pretty far out. Um, I might be one of the furthest out semi-regulars. Um, so I don't get to go as much as I would like, but I try to make a day of it normally. You know, I would almost describe watching matches with Chicago Spurs as being sort of the closest thing to church that I have. And that it's, you know, it's a group of people from kind of all walks of life who are getting together and might be, uh, uh, you know, yelling at each other online about Spurs related things all week. But then you get there <laughs> together and you're singing together um, and, you know, it's you, you see them, you see them every week and you say hi. And um, yeah, I think it's it's been it's been really great to have Chicago Spurs to kind of sort of keep that bond to the club there. And, and similarly going to see um, Spurs in Nashville in 2017, that was also kind of this huge moment. I hadn't seen them since 2010. I was out of state when they were in Chicago in 2014. I could not believe it. Um, it was like the, the worst possible. I, I was like, Spurs are in Chicago and I can't. That's there. really bad timing. So being able to go down to Nashville and the fact that it wasn't a tournament summer. So all the players were there except son who was injured, I think, unfortunately, um, that was pretty amazing. And, you know, I, just that first night meeting up with all the Chicago people that night before the match, when like, we all like went our separate ways and all wound up at the, at the headquarters barcade, which is like the most Chicago place you could find in Nashville. We all just wind up there out of nowhere. That was pretty great too. So, yeah, I mean, um, you know, I wish I could go more often, but, um, yeah, being there is, is great. And, uh, um, I think it's, it, from, from what, I, from what I've heard from talking to other people, it's, it's hard to beat what we have at Chicago Spurs, for sure. So it sounds like if you 
were to give one word to American Spurs supporters, or at least Chicago in Chicago, it would be something along the lines of unity or community, I would say. Community, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I don't have too many more questions. Actually, I think I have one more. Okay. And this is probably going to be the toughest one for anybody that I ask these questions to. But what is your all-time favorite starting 11 for Tottenham? Um, so there's obviously a couple ways you can go with this, right? You can pick the all-time, uh, you know, of, 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 the, of the players that I saw in the last, you know, 13 years or whatever it is. And it's going to honestly basically be the Pochettino team plus a couple of Redknapp guys, right? Um, so I decided to take a look at this from a sort of sentimentality view. Um, uh, and so I'll kind of just talk through really quickly some of the players. A lot of them are ones that I haven't talked about yet. Um, yeah, please so, do. So in goal, while well, Hugo Lloris is obviously the best Spurs keeper uh, since Pat Jennings, probably. Um, I'm going to put Jorelio Gomez in goal because the Spurs oh, no. are all about are all about um, uh, uh, crazy fun and the fact that it's not an easy team to watch. You have Jorelio Gomez who would let in absolute howlers, as they say, and would also make incredible saves. Um, in 2009-2010, he was incredible. I think people really forget that. Um, uh, and I also once saw him. I had the full Jorelio Gomez experience. My last ever match at White Hart Lane was a match against Chelsea, where uh, in stoppage time, he gave away a penalty. Uh, it was a 1-1 tie at the time. He gave away a penalty. Uh, and Drogba stepped up and Gomez saved it. So it was like the pure like Gomez experience all in one go that he gave away a penalty and then immediately saved it. Uh, so I'm going to put Gomez at the back. Um, and then for the defenders, uh, I've got on the left, I have Benoit Asuakato who is one of my favorite Spurs players of all time. He had a, was fun to watch and, and was really great for those for, for a few seasons there under Redknapp. He just had such a strange um, and interesting attitude towards the sport um, that he was very kind of grounded in reality and said, you know, uh, you know, I like football and that like, you know, it's a job and like, I like doing it, but he didn't like eat, live and breathe it. And I think it was maybe good for people to realize that footballers aren't us. Uh, they're serious right. about it, but not in the same way that we are necessarily. And that's okay, right? Um, so I thought that was really interesting. He was always good for a soundbite and had great hair, a bunch and, of different great hairstyles. Yeah, I was going to say that. And I don't know if you know of this or if anybody who's listening knows of this, but there was on some blog 10 or so years ago, they had a spreadsheet of his hair and <laughs> the results of whenever he had certain hairstyles. Sure. And so if anybody out there can find it, send it to me. That sounds familiar. And I'm right? sure you would enjoy that yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, that'd be great. Uh, in the middle, I have Ludley King. Uh, no, no explanation needed there, I don't think. It was really cool to meet him in Nashville, though. I got a shirt signed for him. I asked him a question. The question I asked him was about Benoit Asuakato. <laughs> um, that was really cool. It's good to have him back. Um, uh, you know, I, I kind of came in towards the tail end of his career, but I saw at least a couple of years where he was starting, mm -hmm. um, you know, starting most games. That was pretty great to see. Along him, I'm going to have Yen Vertonghen. Uh, Toby might be the better defender overall, and it's hard to pick between those two, but Yen was here for so long. Um, I think those two together, um, which I, I'm kind of trying to think, they probably didn't start very many games together because by the time Yen came in, King was was a very part-time player. Maybe one of the one or two seasons they might have played together. Um, on the right, I was a little bit tough for this because my sentimental answer 
is Vedran Chorluka, but apparently Tommy said Chorluka. So I didn't want to double up with that. So I will say Kyle Walker. I remember Kyle Walker as being kind of a Spurs prospect who did really make good. It took him a while. They bought him and Kyle Naughton at the same time from Sheffield United. It was the two Kyles, and they both played right back. Um, and the fact that Kyle Walker became not just a regular for Spurs, but became one of the best right backs in the world for a time. And, uh, um, yeah, I'm going to put Walker there. Uh, you can still have Trilokia, too. Okay, yeah. Uh, he's then the he's mid- your backup. <laughs> yes. The midfield is incredibly difficult uh, because most of my favorite players are midfielders. Um, but the, the two that from the kind of uh, peak Redknapp team, I'm going to have Bale on the left and Lennon on the right. Um, I think those two on the wings are like the platonic ideal of Spurs swashbuckling, attacking football, being able to have either of those guys. And they ran in such different ways, but they were both so fast. Um, it's hard for me to beat those two on the wings. Like I think that, you know, and people don't really play that way so much anymore. So having those two wingers, uh, uh, that that's it for me. Uh, in the middle, I decided to go with Erickson and Modric. Um, both, I think, you know, somewhat similar players that Erickson really kind of fulfilled the role that was left in Modric when Modric left. Um, and it was actually, I think, pretty seamless. There was only about a year in between. Um, so that, uh, yeah, I think those two, uh, in just terms of just their ability to, to make plays, um, of both, were both so incredibly important to both those teams. Um, then up front, I will have Defoe, um, who I just love to watch. Um, again, talk about scoring great goals. Jermaine Defoe was one of them. Um, I'm glad he's still scoring great goals uh, in Scotland and that he won a league title this year, um, which was probably he's not won much silverware in his career. Um, I'm trying to think he might have. I think he was on the Portsmouth team that won the 2008 FA Cup. Uh, Then, therefore, he wasn't on the League Cup unless he I don't think he was in the squad for that. But he finally won a league title. So good for him. Even if it was in a league. He he deserves it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and it'll also have young men sign up there as well. So that's, that's, that's my 11. Uh, there's not much steel in there. Uh, they're probably going to uh, win some games six to five. Um, but I think that's a very good kind of uh, very good Spursy team in all the good ways um, that uh, I would be very happy to see. So those would be so my 11. Two questions though, off of that, who yeah. is your, who's managing the team? Um I mean, it's got to be Pochettino, though, for pure kind of entertainment value. I'll put Redknapp on the touchline. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll keep Redknapp there. And do you think that the second question is, do you think that the team would produce a title of some sort, whether it's a cup or the league? Uh, I think they would probably wind up uh, uh, no is the answer. <laughs> no, because they would win everything. They would lose games five to four and win them six to four. Um, that might be a slight exaggeration, but I think we'd probably be looking at, you know, top four, some occasional amazing performances against good teams, maybe a cup run. We're a cup team. I don't know if you've heard that. We're a cup team. They keep telling us, even though, you know, we haven't won an FA Cup in 30 (laughs) years now. We're a cup team. Okay. Well, I think that does sound like a great team, though. Just entertaining to watch. I think, if anything, you have Benny there. I would pay a lot of money to watch that team play. Yeah. <laughs> well, those are all my questions. So thank you, Kevin, for joining me this episode. Thanks for having and, me on. Yeah. And hopefully we can have some more people who also like Terluca. <laughs>
Who's to say? Well, for you listeners out there, make sure you follow and subscribe to Four Star Spurs wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like the pod and fancy doing us a favor, write us a review. Also, thank you to Charlie for the music, Kevin for social media, Kimberly for the logo, and Four Star Spurs for the use of the brand. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Four Star Spurs. That's all for now. Come on, you Spurs. Mm-hmm.